This is a show for grown-ups. And they say bad words. And they say bad words. Say final warning. Final warning. Hello and welcome to the Pot of Blunders. I'm your host, Nate Magnuski, and with me today is Spencer Campbell of Gila RPGs. Spencer, how the hell are you? I'm doing really well. It was a, uh, a hot day in Chicago, and I got to spend a lot of time outside with my dog, so it's, it's kind of hard to complain. There you go. Sounds good. So first and foremost, how did you get into the RPG hobby? I got into RPGs in grad school. So I I did grad school in Chicago and a bunch of us would spend our Friday evenings after we got our work done, we would hang out and we'd play Magic the Gathering. Mm -hmm. We did that for a long time. And then somebody just sort of proposed the idea of, hey, do you want to try doing role playing? Like, do you want to just try one of these things? Uh, And they offered to run a one shot sort of thing. And so we, you know, we're like, okay, we really like this magic thing, but I guess we'll try role playing. And so we ran a one shot, had a hell of a good time. And then as a result, it got its hooks in me real hard, really quick. So then for me, I was like, okay, so this is what we're going to do on Fridays now, right? Like this is our new thing. And so I was very much ready to be the, the GM and running things. And so very, very early on in my RPG career, I became the forever GM and uh, <laughs> never looked back. Excellent. We need more forever GMs. So thank you for taking on that burden. I'm happy to do it. <laughs> How fast was it for you to change from a player and GM to a game designer? One of the things that I've learned now after designing for a little bit is that I think every GM is a little bit of a designer on their own, just because in in the inherent practice of doing prep, if you do prep for any sort of game or any kind of homebrew, there's design in that. But I suppose the like the proper transition from like, okay, I'm, I'm doing like maybe small homebrew and prep to I'm going to make a game or something new. I think that was probably two or three years of playing before I decided to dip my toes into the design space. And I did so by doing things like hacks and supplements and playbooks for existing games. So, you know, I was playing a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse games. And so it's pretty easy to come up with playbooks for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I got my early experience doing the design stuff before I even had the concept of trying to do a, a whole game on my own. I was like, well, I could at least come up with a fun new class for somebody to play as. The reason I brought you on the show tonight is because you have a current Kickstarter for your game, Nova. But we can't talk about that right away because I need, since you're here, I have to pepper you with questions about Light, which is my Uh, favorite game that you've made so far. (laughs) (laughs) So for my listeners who don't know, tell me what Light is. So Light is a game that I came up with in sort of a, it was definitely a fever dream pitch for design uh it, it came together in like 48 hours sort of thing where i was just like i gotta get these words out of my head onto the page sort of thing it i've made it sort of near the tail end of last year so 2020 and it is a love letter to destiny the the mm. video game computer yeah. game destiny so i have put an unreasonable amount of hours and i still continue to put an unreasonable amount of hours into destiny and I, once i became 
a game designer, an RPG designer, I, I'm, I'm afflicted by that curse, which is anytime you watch like a movie or a TV show or literally interact with any media, you're going, but how can I make an RPG out of this? <laughs> um, so it was, it was truly inevitable that given how much time I was spending playing Destiny, that I, I was going to make something with this. And so Light is inspired by slash love letter to Destiny, where I wanted to capture the things that were most exciting to me about Destiny without making a highly crunchy tactical role-playing mm-hmm. game with like ammo and cover and things like that. For me, I just wanted you to feel like badass characters. And so that's what Light is. It's sort of this rules light just jump in, go on a really cool adventure and throw around some cool powers and feel awesome while you're doing it sort of thing that it came out first. as just like a, it, you could print the whole rules on a single sheet of paper, double-sided. And since then I've sort of, uh, I call it a modular RPG because I just make two, three page supplements that you can plug into the game if you want. So light ultimately kind of becomes whatever game you want it to become. Do you want campaign play? there are supplements for that. Do you want something that gives you more rules on how to randomly generate loot and and weapons? Well, I've got stuff for that. But if you really just want to sit down and play a fun Destiny-like game, you just need the core rules and you're ready to roll in like five minutes. So what really intrigued me about Light, besides the premise, because the premise is fantastic, it's divided into seasons. I know season one wrapped up fairly recently and season two kicked off in May. What are the seasons? Like, is it D&D second edition versus third edition? Is it like a TV show season? How does it work? So seasons were a, a sort of a natural evolution of the modular design of light. So light is this thing that you can kind of glue on as many extra rules and pieces as you want to create your own version of it. And so I wanted to keep making modules for the game. I wanted to keep supporting it, but I wanted to do it with maybe a little bit more focus or intent than just kind of randomly releasing whatever next idea came into my head. And so I borrowed the idea of season passes from Destiny and other games where you see content that happens during a set amount of time, you know, like three months or something like that, where new game modes or new loot or new exclusive things during that season become available. And so you have like a theme, you know what you're expecting. If the theme is about hunting, then you're going to get a bunch of cool stuff that's about hunting related stuff or adventures that are about going on exciting hunts of some mythical beast or something like that. And so I took that idea and I brought it into light by saying, okay, well, the first season is going to be about making your characters as cool and as badass as possible. Uh, and so it was a bunch of modules that are about character creation, flexibility in that. And then the second season that we've just started is about the baddies now. Now it's time, you know, you made yourself really powerful in the first season. Let's challenge that power with new rules and everything that are going to make the enemies more dangerous. There's a cool new map for like campaign play and everything like that. So it's just, it gives me the ability to support light with a, maybe like a thematic intent rather than me just throwing darts at the board and going like, I guess I'm going to make this one next or I'll make this one next. So what are you most excited to release? If you can give us a little preview, I might might be asking too much. Let me know. (laughs) No, the thing that I'm most excited about coming up is the darkness classes. It's it's light. So it's based off of the uh, concepts of light wielding immortal guardians that we see like in destiny but naturally eventually there always is that power of darkness or something that corrupts or is tempting and 
So I want to take that and I have some ideas about how to do it a lot differently than Destiny does it. So I'm excited to sort of bring in that component of like, okay, the season has been about the bad guys. Maybe you're going to become one of them uh, at the end of it. So that's, that's kind of where we might be moving at the end of this season. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. I can't wait for that. So Light was the first game that you designed using your Lumen system. How does Lumen differ from Light itself? Is there more to it? Is there just a set of tools? How does it work? So Lumen is a a slightly more, I suppose, advanced or structured version of Light. Because truly, when I first wrote Light, it was as stripped down and bare bones as I could make a game system to capture the things that I found exciting about looter shooter genres. And I wanted to sort of expand on that. And so sort of the foundation comes from light, but a lot of the the more specific rules and structures that come into Lumen came from my other game Frame that I had been developing for a period of time where I kind of evolved a lot of the ideas from light. So if you've played light or read it, you've got 80 to 85% of the Lumen experience. There's a little bit more that gets added on with Lumen and games that maybe are coming out now that the Lumen SRD is out, especially in how we structure combat to really lean into sort of like the video game logic of things where enemies are literally dropping like globs of health and ammo and things like that on the, you know, truly like over the top and helps you feel really powerful, like giving you a few more tools like that. So that's where we see the deviation of or I suppose it's more not a deviation, but an evolution of what light was into the Lumen system. And Nova. Nova is your current Kickstarter. We mentioned it briefly earlier. I am blown away by the setting of Nova. I am like in love with this thing. Can you just tell my listeners why I'm so excited? <laughs> yeah. So Nova is, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Nova is a game that takes place in a a world in which the sun has exploded. And it causes, of course, a sort of, apocalyptic event uh, here on the planet. Um, But the thing that happens that makes it interesting and special and like fantastical sci-fi is that there are these huge shards of sun that actually embed themselves into the earth. And we, few humans remaining, kind of start to rebuild around them. Because not only do they provide warmth and light in a now sunless sky, but um, they're essentially, they could be captured and used as like miniature Dyson spheres. And so we get this huge technology boom. And so as a result, the players are playing, you know, a little ways after this apocalyptic event in these exosuits. So mm. we have this, all this cool new technology. And so now we're building these sort of like mechanical exosuits to go out and explore the ruins of old earth and hopefully find tech and knowledge and things like that that we could use to help rebuild ourselves because now we have this really cool energy source let's see if we can use that and, and try and recreate our our world and nova has a bit of an interesting history uh you touched on it earlier today but it started out as a game called frame right so why the change well yeah yes so frame was the original game which was my if if light is my love letter to destiny frame mm. was my love letter to warframe which is another game that I've put an unreasonable amount of hours <laughs> into. I just, I love, I love looter shooters. I love games where it's all about making the numbers go up. Like I love just seeing my stats go up, the damage go up. So Warframe absolutely hits that 
vibe for me. What I like about Warframe is that it's it's all about the powers of the character. So you really kind of just go in, you gun down a whole room of baddies, but you have these really cool powers that each character has, and it really leans into that. So I wanted to capture that. And actually, then that's how Lumen became what it became is because I wanted to capture a lot of that stuff. And that's where the additional rules that were missing in light got added in and mm. frame emerged from that. And so that actually went up on Kickstarter about two and a half months ago. And then there was a huge disaster that happened literally like two to three hours after launch. It was a whole to-do in which a small but very vocal minority of the Warframe community sort of took umbrage to the project. They thought it was ripping Warframe off uh, and that I was screwed and that I was I, I should be sued until I, until I had nothing. <laughs> and basically, once the project kind of left our RPG ecosystem, which is all full of very like understanding and friendly, supportive creatives, uh, and made it into the gamer <laughs> ecosystem... <laughs> that's when things sort of took a, a turn. And I realized what they're saying doesn't really necessarily hold. Like, I'm not actually going to be in any trouble. If I was in trouble, like digital extremes are going to be the one that knock on my door, not like the Warframe fans. Right. But the fact that it was coming in so hard within like, honestly, the first two to three hours of launch, I, I asked myself, listen, can I go through three weeks of this? Because that's how long the campaign was. Can I really withstand three weeks of dealing with this? And I honestly, I just decided it wasn't worth the mental health barrage that it was going to be. So I closed it that day. I closed it like hours after launch and I sat on it for a while and I decided the best thing to do is take the rules uh, and just put them into a setting that is just wholly unrelated to the Warframe setting or anything mm -hmm. like that. And I actually then adopted a setting that my friend Mike Riemann and I created for an old RPG we made you know, back in 2018. And so that's that's sort of how Frame got reframed into Nova. Uh, and that's sort of where we see that evolution take place. So by its nature, this is a combat-centric game. Now, whenever I hear combat-centric game, I think of 4th edition D&D, because that's what I cut my teeth on when, back in the day. Does this need a battle map, or can it be played theater of the mind? How crunchy is this in terms of combat and strategy? Yeah, I, you know, I'm one of those people that love combat as well, but I don't want it on a map, and I don't like a heavy amount of crunch. I, But at the same time, I am also one of those people that have played their fair amount of games that are entirely theater of the mind and get sort of lost in the combat where it doesn't feel like I, like I can't really track what's going on as well, or it's difficult to move the spotlight appropriately when there's like not as much structure given to it. So I, I tend to find myself in between those places and that's sort of where that's where Nova lives. And it's, so there's no map or anything, but there is sort of a round turn structure where basically all the players get to take a turn in whatever order they want. We use abstracted ranges, so things like close and you know near and far to decide how close you are to various mm -hmm. people. And then once all the players do something, then the GM gets to take their turn. And the GM's turn is all about moving a bunch of different baddies, making that they have like lists of moves that they can kind of just pick and choose to activate things. And then importantly, during the GM's turn, they 
make a huge change to the battlefield. So they do something that is going to force the players to change their tactics. Um, so that way it doesn't become just truly a, like who can smash the other person's HP first. Like it's not just a, I hit you, you hit me, I hit you, you hit me until one of us dies situation, mm-hmm. change the tactics and generate these drops. Uh, which like I said earlier, are sort of those video game equivalents of just like health, just falling out of bad guys. And you just, you pick up the health and you heal yourself. And I think the other thing that makes Nova combat quick is that essentially there's no rolling of dice in the combat section of Nova. The dice rolling actually happens outside of combat. So every spark, which are the characters that you are, has a little suite of four powers that you have and a resource that you spend to use those powers. And it truly is more like figuring out the best ways to get fun combos with your fellow sparks on certain things rather than a sort of rolling to see if you hit. You're going to hit. You you are incredibly powerful, technological advanced robots. So of <laughs> course you're going to hit. It's just a matter of how do you all want to hit these these enemies rather than if you're going to hit them. It creates those scenarios where I think of uh, in X-Men, the fastball special where like <laughs> Colossus like picks up and throws Wolverine and mm-hmm. he goes flying. Like I, that's the sort of situation that I want to create. And that's the sort of scenarios that we've seen when we've played Nova so far. Of players really trying to be creative about how to like combo their powers off of one another. Once a player finds out a combo that works, do you ever see that they get stuck in their rut where they just keep repeating it? They, they can, and that's the point then of the GM turn where you do the big change in the battlefield where you, right. you know, if this thing keeps working, introduce an element where either it stops working or if they do it, it's going to make them vulnerable to a whole other problem that is on the battlefield or something like that. So the GM is given the tools and the permission to say, listen, the players are going to feel powerful. They are powerful and let them feel powerful. But... It gets boring if your if your power goes unchecked. So throw these twists at them, and I think that's kind of the magic in the Lumen system that was missing from Light is that GM turn that says, "Okay, now make them think a totally different way." So I've read the Quick Start rules. I'm a big fan, and I'm looking forward to backing the Kickstarter very soon. And I'll make sure I have a link in the show notes for anyone that wants to try the, the Quick Start before they buy. But what's gonna be in the full game that's not in the Quick Start rules? So there's going to be uh, two more sparks at least. So the quick start rules currently have four sparks. So it's a four classes. There's going to be a whole set of rules about generating missions. So, you know, how do, how as a GM do you create missions? You do you create these ruins. It's actually sort of a collaborative mission generation thing. When I played it on stream recently with Tony at plus one EXP, mm-hmm. you'll see some of the, like the question and answers that goes on between the GMs and the players to create the mission together on the spot. So there's going to be that. There's going to be a whole set of rules for advancement that you don't see in the book. Right now, the book is kind of just these prefab characters that you're playing as. But the advancement system is actually something that I was working on today that I'm really excited about. The way I think about advancement is we're already at the end game with characters in this game. You're level 20. So what do you do once you hit level 20 or the max level in a video game? You go with builds. It's about finding a build that fits your play style. So You have this big set of mods that you can start plugging into your powers that can change the way that they work. And it's very fluid and flexible in where you put those mods. They're not necessarily set into particular powers. And so the way you play a particular class might be totally different than how another person plays that class based off of what mod system that they've plugged into their 
uh, into their spark. So the advancement in the mission generation is going to be there. There's going to be a whole bunch of enemies in there for you to go fight. You know, I give you a couple examples in the quick start, but there's going to be some some more stuff about settings so that you get some ideas about some of the enemy factions and stuff like that. So all the stuff that you're going to need to try and take it out of that one shot space into, hey, let's. what if we wanted to play a campaign out of this? So this advancement system you mentioned, this is the uh, the flare system, correct? Is this how you can multi-class or is this just specific advancements for specific sparks? They're actually all for a specific spark. So for example, today I was working on Pyre's flare system. And so there's sort of a set of persistent mods uh, in your flare, which basically are just kind of like ongoing passive bonuses. This is how you can improve like stats and things like that. And then there's things that are for your powers. And it could be something as simple as plus one harm, but you can put that plus one harm mod into any of the powers. And suddenly that power is more lethal than it was. But then there's also like plus one range. So now something that only worked at close range now works at close and near. And so you can kind of think about like, oh, I like this power. I wish it was affecting more people. Let me Mm. add some more range to this power. Or this one, I like this power the way it works, but I want a little more oomph behind it. Let me put some, some harm into it. And then there's a lot of mods then that are designed specific to that spark so that they lean into what that class is supposed to be especially good at. And so then you can... You can really kind of decide like, okay, how do I want to play Pyre, which is this sort of like fast moving, sword swinging, fire spark. Uh, and then you can kind of find the the mod system that suits you for that situation. So like you said, these characters are level 20 equivalent. They're already godlike powers. How do you design enemies to combat things that are so powerful? Or is it just you put a bunch of mooks out there and they're supposed to be all mowed down very fast? Is kind of largely the latter where like mm-hmm. I made the Lumen system so that folks feel a power fantasy because that's what I <laughs> that's why I play <laughs> these looter shooters is to, mm-hmm. to largely feel incredibly powerful. So I think a large part of playing Nova is going to be wiping out waves of enemies and just getting more powerful and more honestly fantastical in the ways that you get to do it. <laughs> and then you you can challenge it by it's not in like the stats of the enemies. It's not in like how much health they have or how much harm they do, but it's instead in these things that the moves that they have. So every enemy has three moves, which aren't mechanically linked. They are just actions that they do. They could be sort of like attitudes or tactics they follow, or they could be actions that they take that don't have a mechanical description of them, but it could just simply be like shut down a spark's power. Like that could just be an enemy's move. And now that the GM knows that during the GM's turn, they could just shut down a spark's power. They could just say, you can't do this during the next round or throw down a, a, a camouflaging net. And now what does that mean? Well, now the sparks just suddenly can't see the enemies and the GM can kind of play with that space in whatever way they want. And so it's the flexibility of these moves that gives the GM the opportunity to go, okay, I know these these enemies are going to die in like one or two hits, but what can they do that's creative that's going to make the sparks uh, at least have to adapt a little bit rather than truly mm. just mowing us down in one round? That sounds incredibly dynamic, and it sounds like you really thought how to combat the attrition of fun, really, that comes with just mowing down wave after wave of enemy. Thank you. Yeah, it's because that is true. Like, you know, it's fun to mow down enemies, but it's not fun if that's literally the only thing that you're doing. And so Mm -hmm. by creating these little bits of flavor that go, okay, yeah, you you killed those five, but this one's doing something that you didn't expect. And now what are you going to do about it? Uh, I think that's the fun. It 
it's not puzzle solving, but it creates a, it promotes a little bit of problem solving in the play. I want to ask about the monsters in this because mm-hmm. I'm just intrigued by this. What's your favorite monster that you've created or bad guy? I shouldn't limit you to monsters. So the concept of the enemies that you fight is that anything that's outside of the cities is considered this place called the dusk. It's mm-hmm. all the, the night sky isn't actually just jet black, but it's sort of like an eternally dusky color. So it's kind of like your dark purples and things like that, mm-hmm. but it's dangerous. It's dangerous to go out there. And the concept is the further you get away from these shards of sunlight, the more dangerous things are, but also the, I will say the stranger things get. And part of the, the things that you'll see in the book is that not only did chunks of sunlight hit the earth, but also the sun smashed into the moon. And so pieces of the moon slammed into the earth as well. And for whatever reason, hand wavy sci-fi <laughs> magic, yep. the, the moonstones have sort of a corrupting and I'll say like rapid evolution mechanic to them so that they draw people to them and they draw animals to them and they draw anything really to them and things that get to these lunar shards become sort of obsessed with them and so there's a whole sort of faction and set of enemies in there that are sort of about this lunar cult that is out there that is trying to use these shards and i won't get too much into it in case folks want to not be spoiled but they're using these (laughs) shards for nefarious purposes and Basically, it's they start inserting these shards into the bodies and skins of themselves and also just various creatures, which creates some pretty cool versions of mega flora, mega fauna sort of stuff and the cult then that follows or sort of like controls them. That's probably (laughs) my favorite. (laughs) So tell me about the Kickstarter campaign itself. What's what kind of levels do you have here? What kind of stretch goals? If you can tell us about those, Uh, what are we looking at? So the campaign launches on June 8th, and it's going to go for a little over three weeks, so till like the beginning of July. And in terms of tiers and everything, there's going to be your standard, like digital only. If you just like your PDF version, you can get that. There's going to be a print version, which gets you the PDF as well. The print is going to be a digest size that I love so much. So it's the 5 by 5 by 8 by 5 what you see with zines and things like that. But it's going to be a perfect bound book, so paperback book, because it's going to be... Based off of my estimates and who I've been talking to, it's going to be like uh, like 60 to 70 pages for the whole thing. Oh. Yeah, and it's going to have this beautiful art and layout. Uh, I have two incredibly talented people that are lined up. So the funds are going to obviously help pay for all of that. And then you can get this really cool book as the, that's that's pretty much the tiers that I'm keeping it at. It's just digital yeah. and the physical. There's also going to be a retailer tier. So if mm-hmm. there are any folks out there who have a shop either online or even brick and mortar, I want to be able to support that without you having to buy a bunch of books full price. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's important to support those, those really cool indie distributors like that. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of stretch goals, I've got two stretch goals in mind, and they're all right now focused on adding more sparks to the book. So, you know, right now there's six in the book, and I'm in the process of testing and developing four. Uh, And the two that feel the most fun or like maybe fill the gaps the most that the book needs, those are going to be the ones that are going to go in the book along with the, the four that are in the quick start. But I love all four that I've developed, and so I'd like to be able to include all of them. So a stretch goal will be to include the other two that didn't make that first cut. 
But the other stretch goal that I'm really excited about is the, I'm calling it right now the forbidden science stretch goal. If the premise is that these sparks were created because of a technological innovation, it reaches the point where if you look at some of the powers of these sparks, it truly does feel like magic uh, mm -hmm. in terms of what they can do. It's, it's that I always forget the phrase exactly, but you know, uh, science that we don't understand is essentially magic sort of yep. thing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I have two sparks in mind that dip into the realm of magic or just like science that we shouldn't go in that direction for, for developing sparks. And so it's going to be a plague spark. So one that works based mm -hmm. off of concepts of like pox and plague and corruption. And then the other one is a necromancy spark, just because I'm obsessed with necromancy now ever since reading uh, Gideon the Ninth because a bunch of my friends recommended me to read it and I became obsessed with it. And so I said, there's got to be some sort of necromancer character in this game. And wouldn't it be cool if it was a spark, uh, somebody you could actually play as. So that's the the forbidden science stretch goal. And so both of those stretch goals obviously fund the writing and layout for those sparks, but also the art that goes with it as well, because every spark in the book is going to have some beautiful art to go with it. If I don't get these two stretch goals achieved, I'm going to be so pissed. I, <laughs> like, <I'm, laughs> me too. <laughs> I need these. Like, I need them so bad. It hurts. <laughs> All right. I need to back this like immediately. I need this game. <laughs> I'm thinking like my co-host who I usually do my actual plays with, he's a huge video game guy, more than mm. role-playing games even. For a guy that runs a, a role-playing game podcast, he's <laughs> not that into role-playing games. <laughs> I think this is like the perfect bridge of those two worlds. Yes. I, th that's what I'm, you know, that's what I hoped with this. That's what I hoped with, you know, the Lumen system in general, even though Nova isn't based, you know, it's not a love letter to a specific video mm -hmm. game. It's trying to capture the stuff that I love about video games, that power fantasy, that action element that, listen, I've just got a small handful of powers, things that I'm really good at. And as long as I just know those things, I'm going to have a fun time. I don't have to keep track of a huge list of all my skills or anything. I'm just a really cool, awesome robot. And here are my powers. <laughs> I that's, that's what I wanted to capture. And hopefully then that sort of attracts folks exactly like you said, who are like, I like video games i like the the power fantasy of it i don't want to learn all these rules hopefully they can kind of feel welcome in these sorts of games i mean if your design goal was to do that I, from what i've read you've knocked it out of the park it's it's an absolute home run and i hope you have a stupid amount of success with this because <laughs> i want to see so much more come out for this ah, i'm so excited for it is there anything else that we haven't discussed that you really want our listeners to know well, I guess in terms of Nova and just the timing of Lumen and everything, if the Lumen genre sounds interesting to you, there's an event that's going to be starting in June. I'm not in charge of it, but uh, <laughs> I know the folks who are. That's called the Lux Collective. And it's basically a bunch of people who are making Lumen games right now who want to get those games out to the world, but don't want to go to Kickstarter. So they're doing itch funding. So they're putting their games up on itch and they're doing the really cool alternative crowd funding efforts that we see on itch now. And we're going to try and make a, it's basically like zine quest, but for Lumen games, where we're going to try and promote one another's work. And so if this Lumen system sounds cool, in the span of like June, July, and August, I'm hoping that you're going to see like a whole bunch of them go up on itch with these itch funding goals. So there's the opportunity to get like a lot of Lumen games at once. And then ideally, we find ways to kind of like play 
each other's games play like bring characters from one game to the other like mm-hmm. almost like a super smash brothers sort of thing <laughs> awesome i will put links to whatever i can in the show notes because yeah. i want people to back all of these things because i want to back all of these things spencer thank you so so much for coming on the show i really appreciate your time this was a blast this was so much fun i really appreciate it. <laughs> i i had a i had so much fun thank you so much Hey, I hope you enjoyed our interview with Spencer Campbell of Gila RPGs. That's G-I-L-A RPGs. And it's tacitly unfair that one person can be so creative. If you want to get a copy of Nova for yourself and show Spencer some support, head on over to the Kickstarter link in the show notes. But don't wait, because it's wrapping up in early July. If you want to buy Lumen or Light or any of his other products, go to the itch.io link in the show notes. And if you want to support that Lumen-specific zine quest on itch, go to the other other link in the show notes. Whew, that's a lot of links. But I know you can do it. You're smart. You're capable, and treat yourself. You deserve it, right? Speaking of treats, we hope to have Spencer back on the show relatively soon to either play a game with us, run a game for us, or just kind of hang out. What a cool dude. If you want to support the Pot of Blunders, please consider heading to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash potofblunders, all one word. We've got membership levels ranging from $1 to $10 a month, which will get you access to things like our Discord, exclusive episodes of Jumping the Street Sharks, as well as a variety of other perks. You can also support the show and help us bring more attention to amazing indie authors by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate any help you can give. We love hearing from you. You can always find us on Twitter at Pot of Blunders, and you can also reach us via email at potofblunders at gmail.com. Want more reviews, interviews, actual plays? Head to potofblunders.com and learn about even more amazing indie games. Thanks for listening. For the Pot of Blunders, I'm Nate Magnuski, and as always, may all your Ds be 12s.